0: We'll just have to rent a car. Where can we get one? Uh, You drive. Me drive? No, you drive. I said I drive. You don't drive it, I drive it. Drive what? Uh, You drive. (laughs) Why should I drive when you want to drive? Ron and Anian. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. The Life I love is making music with my friends. I can't wait to get on the road again. The Car Doctor. All right, what kind of a car are you driving? You drive. Somebody better be driving! Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors
1: are open, but I am here to take your calls. At 855
2: 560
1: And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, we are live today on another Car Doctor Road Trip. Thanks for joining us here in the garage as we've put wheels on it and taking it north of New York City to the TST big event in Westchester, New York, at the Westchester Marriott. And I'm uh, going to be here today talking to, well, I'm, I'm walking among the gods of automotive information today as we talk about everything automotive and what this industry has been and what it will be in the coming years and months, as uh, we continue to try and fix all the broken cars in America and beyond because it's getting tougher and tougher every day and the people I'm going to talk to today are helping make it easier or attempting to as they uh, continue to work with this industry and in some cases drag it kicking and screaming by its heels into this century and uh, the next step and the next evolution. I'm going to get right into it because we've got a full cast this next two hours here on The Car Doctor. I'm here today right now with Pete Meyer. He is one of the tech editors at Motor Age Magazine and um, I've seen Pete's Seminars and YouTube videos, and I've 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 sat in class with Pete in the back. He doesn't he didn't know it was me. I kind of wore a you know pulled my hat down low, and um, he walked up to him today and he went, I know you, and I went, Yeah, I know. Everybody kind of seems to know me. I have that face made for radio that people recognize. (laughs) Peter, welcome to the Car Doctor. Thanks, Ron. I appreciate it. You know, one of the things you talk about all the time. Basics. You're always stressing basics, and I, and I want to start the conversation here. You talk about basic electricity and how it's such a key fundamental building block for our industry. And you relate a story to me before when we were off air, and I'd like you to tell that story here on air about basic electricity and the students in the automotive class that you were talking about.
3: Uh, well, recently I got to attend and present at uh, an event that uh, trains the trainer. Uh, These are uh, college automotive instructors uh, where they go to get their continuing education so they can continue to to bring along the next generation of technicians. And one of the things I asked them was, are are you sure that your students are leaving your program with a solid electrical foundation so they'll be able to handle the challenges that are existing in today's cars and the cars coming down the road tomorrow? and had a few, uh, one example that I posted of a multimeter with uh, a reading of 11.5 volts on the screen, but the two ends of the meter were connected to grounds. Uh, one was the case ground of the alternator, the other was the negative battery post. And I asked them, "Mr. Do you, any of your students are they going to be sure they know what that meter is trying to tell them?" And uh, there were a few nods in the room. But I think what surprised me more was that afterward, uh, we had a couple of instructors that came to me and asked me to clarify what that meant. So, you know, it's something that is lacking. Not lacking, that's not the right word, but I think electrical... Uh, fundamentals understanding them, putting them into the, in the real world applications is something that every or many technicians still struggle with. It's just one of those magic things about cars that we have to get past
1: And, and that is so much the future. I was inside one of the seminars here at the TST big event today and, and one of the one of the speakers was talking about how the, the technician of the future and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later on this hour with the gentleman electrical engineers. They're, they're, they're going to be electrical engineers, and if, if, if the kids don't know basic electricity, how are we going to make them into electrical engineers? It seems like it's a, you know, we're, we're, we're really trying to pull the boat hard, and it's yeah. getting tougher.
3: Well, you know, it's funny that you shouldn't mention that, because I remember when I worked for um, the Firestone chain many, many years ago. This was early 80s when we first came out with electronic ignition systems, and the very first... Uh, engine control computers. Remember the old SBEC boards and stuff? And we used to have, uh, I remember the Firestone trainer telling us an electrical uh, class then that we were going to have to be electrical engineers to work on these cars. Now look at the technology that we have. Uh, Autonomous cars are on the horizon. Uh, In order for those to work, nearly every system on the car has to be electrified, uh, from (laughs) engine management to braking, the the throttle control, uh, the steering, uh, these are the these are the real challenges that are facing technicians who are in the field today, making a living, living, and those who are looking to enter the profession down the road.
1: And then translate that translates into the consumer because the technician has to fix it. The te- the the consumer has to be able to afford to pay for it, and, oh. and and that becomes an issue.
3: Well, I think another thing that affects our industry uh, there, and you know, there are many opportunities. Let's say for the consumers to get that low price service, no matter what it might be, from an oil change to tires or whatever it might be. And there seems to be many shops that uh, rely on undercutting their competition to stay, keep their doors open. I think that's a gross mistake. Uh, consumers really need to understand that there there are more computers now on their car operating in a network than they may have in their own office where they work during the day. And they need to understand the technologies are just that complicated. It, it's not something that the old grease monkey image of, of old... It just doesn't apply anymore. And to that point, Pete,
1: and I'm talking with Pete Meyer, technical editor at Motor Age Magazine. Here, I'm Ron Anani and the car doctor. And talk about Auto Mechanica, Chicago, because I know that's something you're involved in. That's that's uh, something you, you help move forward every year. You're helping trying to move the industry because guys like you, like so many of my guests are going to be today, and those that may not be here, you're the guys that are moving the needle trying to keep this industry fresh and and, and vibrant, and it's getting tougher every week, every year, and you've got to have things like auto mechanica to do it.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Again, because of the technology changes and the challenges that men and women in this field face every day, we try to make it, in our magazine, a practice to provide material they can put to work right away, to help them support their families, to make a living. Uh, I spent 35 years as a technician. I understand how hard it is to make a living in this business and to stay up with the current technologies. So uh, being lucky enough to to join MotorAge and and the UVM family and to be able to have an impact and offer those resources to uh, technicians across the industry is a big plus. And of course, for us, the culmination is our training event at NACE Auto Mechanica. Uh, Now, NACE Auto Mechanica, um, this is the first year that we partnered with NACE, which is the ASA National Collision Show. A trade show, and Auto Mechanica is a global brand. We are actually the 15th show that they host uh, globally, worldwide. Um, we first started in 2015 in Chicago. Huge uh, success on the training side and we look to do that more uh, this July 26th through the 29th. Um, for those who want more information, they can go to com forward slash register 17. Use my code if you want to get access to the training. That's PMYT2017. And I want to stress that the training that we're offering is being offered at no cost to the attendees. All they have to do is come to Chicago, to McCormick Place. So all you got to do is get to Chicago. Just get there.
1: And you're going to get training from some of the best in the industry.
3: Absolutely. We have some of the best independent trainers in the market, Um, like uh, I've challenged some of the folks here today at the TST big event. Give me a name that you know in the business that you would like to sit in their class, and odds are they're teaching for me at Auto Mechanica.
1: Nobody does anything for nothing, Pete, and you're doing it and is the payback trying to ensure and I know I've got the answer in my head already the payback is ensuring the livelihood and the ability of this industry to fix cars and I congratulate you for that
3: well, that's certainly our, my motivation. Our motivation as a company, and, and certainly, like you said, bills have to be paid, and believe me, they're being paid, but we have a lot of great corporate sponsors who are stepping up and saying, you know what, we'll cover these expenses so the men and women who are working hard to make a living, who otherwise would not be able to afford to access this kind of training, have that opportunity. And I would like to say, too, that in our uh, first uh, show, uh, we had almost 2,000 men and women that were trained at that event, and for the most part, if you've attended any events around the country, that are, are uh, in the automotive industry these were new people that have never been to an event never had that opportunity and a much younger demographic and I know we both know that we need to bring that fresh blood into the business if we want to keep moving forward.
1: Tech shortage Pete yes or no my final two minutes with you what do you think is there a tech shortage?
3: Uh, I actually uh, talked about this with the educators the other day I think that we're producing enough students on the inside uh, inside of the pipe coming in but I think sometimes we as an industry shoot ourselves in the foot on the other side because here's a young man that spent twenty thirty grand on his education but a lot of the shops that he's going to get a job with are still under the old paradigms of how they came up you know my first job was to clean the floors take out the garbage uh, when really these shops need to mentor these young men and women and bring them along if they want them to stay. And the other factor we have is there's so many exciting opportunities for these young men and women who have these skill sets in other high-technology fields. For example, Silicon Valley companies that are focused on developing the autonomous technology are hiring these, these folks right out of their school to go to work for them. So there's a lot of competition for these skilled individuals, not just in the automotive field but in other high-tech fields.
1: And it makes it harder for us to stay and keep maintaining and attracting. Pete Meyer, Motor Age Magazine, tech editor. I, I appreciate you being here, Pete. If, if the listeners want more information, where's the website?
3: MotorAge.com. Real easy to find.
1: Okay, cool beans. And if anybody's looking for a great video, Pete Meyer, he's out there just uh, right Motor Age it.
3: Magazine, YouTube.
1: Yeah, it's all there
3: at YouTube. You so thanks
1: very much, Pete. I'm Ronanini, the car doctor. We are back right after this. Don't go away. Welcome back. Ron and The Car Doctor. We are live today at the Westchester Marriott, Westchester County, New York. just is a little bit north of New York City as we're attending the TST big event up here with everyone from TST, Jerry Trulia and the gang. And we've got a slew of automotive gurus, as I call them, and uh, lots of knowledge, lots of knowledge in the building here for you the next two hours. So stick around. And here with me right now is Larry Herman. Larry's from BG Fuel System Fuel Products. Larry? Yes. We can say it like that. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about carbon. Carbon's a big issue, right? Everybody's talking about you know, carbon cleaning, and where does it come from, and is it a necessity? And I always open these conversations. I remember, gee, back in the eighties, right? Corvettes, port fuel injected Corvettes. Uh, when General Motors had their issues with carbon deposits, way back what, well, thirty years ago. I don't want to think that far back. And that—that that was carbon, right? Yes, was, sure the, was. That, that was the first time around. That first was the time first things that uh, created issues. Yes. Um, how has it become different that port fuel injected engine to today, and Carbon's carbon, right? Carbon, well, no,
4: carbon isn't carbon anymore. There's uh, different types of carbon now. Um, you got your old-style carbon. That was a harder deposit. Your newer-style motors, gasoline direct injection, is more of an oily-based carbon is, is deposit. That be,
1: is that because the fuel has changed or because the engine has changed? It's the or?
4: engine's changed. The oils have changed. The fuel, you know, fuel is garbage now with
1: ethanol fuels and uh A lot more deposits with that. Someone once told me in a class, matter of fact, I think it might have been G, um, when I said, where does all the dirt for fuel and carbon deposits come from? And he said, we're pumping it into the tank at $3 a gallon. And that's still a true statement, isn't it? It's very true, very true. So has carbon cleaning evolved over the years? Or is, you know, are you using a different chemical? I'll mention a word, all right? You ready? Hang on to the microphone. MotorVac, all right? I remember MotorVac from 30 years ago. Like They were the gurus of... Of, sure of, of carbon cleaning and yep. now you don't see them anymore the company's gone in my mind correct
4: it's, it's it's not you know motivac back in the day i used it back in the shop when i first got into carbon cleaning it's just there's a lot more easier ways to do it uh, more effective ways of doing it with different chemistries because now. the chemistry has got to be different absolutely and that's my point the, the chemistry keeps changing keeps evolving as the carbon deposits change and everything else. You know, port fuel injection, you're cleaning um, a little bit differently than you would with the new ones. You need different chemistry to clean different kinds of deposits. So let's
1: jump into that. GDI, gasoline direct injection, big hot-button topic. Everybody's talking about it. How do you clean a GDI engine? Well,
4: first of all, you got to keep the oil side of things clean because blow-by by the low tension piston rings now, um, you get blow by, it gets pushed up into the combustion chamber, which gets pushed up into the intake manifold, which causes deposits on the back of the valve, and the valves aren't getting sprayed anymore by injectors. They are getting, um, you know, it gets sprayed directly into the combustion chamber, so you're not cleaning the back of the valves anymore. The engine, as it superheats when it gets shut off, the oil gets pulled to the back of the valves, and it
1: a uh, gummy crappy deposit so so carbon becomes a problem gdi it it just seems like it's the perfect storm so for everybody out there driving a gdi engine and Probably more of the listeners today are driving them than, than not. They don't Absolutely. realize. And there's going to be more and more. Right. It's it's Everything's going to GDI, GDI for a lot of reasons. One, they can time injection down to a millisecond as to when it happens. Well, the other thing is you got to, you know, cafe
4: regulations for fuel economy. Right. They need to have it for fuel economy. So it's not going anywhere. You know, the, everybody in the business, we're stuck with it. It's not going anywhere, and it's just going to get
1: tighter and tighter. So is it. Is GDI a a tank maintenance item where it's got to be a cleaner in the tank, or can it be a spray device through the intake?
4: It can be a spray de- device. It can also be a cleaner in the tank. Um, keeping the oil side of things maintained is huge. You know, we keep going to extended oil change life. You know, with cars and go out seventy-five hundred miles or ten thousand or fifteen thousand miles people don't check their oil anymore like they used to. I went back when I first started driving, my father beat in my head that you every time you got fuel, you checked your oil, you checked your transmission fluid, you made sure you had coolant. I had the same father. <laughs> okay, yeah, well that's right. great. You know, and but now, you know, we call we talk cost of ownership and this car doesn't cost you anything to drive for 100,000 miles. It does cost you because you have to maintain it. You have to keep the oil changes done maintain that oil put additives to keep that oil from breaking down which is breaks down when it absorbs oxygen which people don't understand either you know oil starts to break down when it absorbs oxygen so if you can slow that process down you can keep the engine from using as much oil and getting pushed up and keeping the deposit build up down
1: so we need to clean GDI engines absolutely it's, it's a necessity yes how do we know it worked you know, people say, we start talking about fuel system cleaning. I'm going to say a dirty word. I don't think we're running delay today, so it's okay. Snake oil. How do we know this isn't snake oil, Larry? Are you selling me snake oil? Are you sell- How do I know what you're selling me works? Well,
4: I'm a, I'm a firm believer in, uh, I call it a seat-of-the-pants service. Um, when we do a cleaning, you know, you can feel a difference in throttle response. You can feel um, a difference in how well the car runs or how much smoother it runs. Um there's other PIDs that we can go to on a computer and show that we made a difference PID-wise. Um, if you look at it, you know, sometimes people will say, I want to see it in live data. Well, like anything else, you clean something, you got to go drive it and get everything to clear out before you can actually get a true reading on
1: it and see that you made a difference. Because there's a, there's a... We'll call it resident memory. The fuel system cleaner's in there, and it's going to take a while for it to finish breaking Correct. down. And and, and then in our, in our last minute or so, it's not just cleaning the carbon on the valves and the pistons and, and, and intake tracks and so forth that BG does. There's also a benefit to catalytic converter, right? There's an afterburn Ab- cleanup absolutely. of, of Ab- the cat, too. Yes. Our chemistry, our
4: 44K is what we call it, is meant to go through the combustion chamber, and the stuff that doesn't get burned in the combustion chamber will actually clean a catalytic converter. It's not going to make a bad catalytic converter good, but can I clean it and make it more efficient? Yes, BG or,
1: Products. Or, or maybe you're going to take a marginal one that's been coated from somebody that had an engine that was burning oil, and it might clean, might, it. Might clean it, might bring it back to yeah. life. It's worth the shot, right? Right.
4: It, you know, Like I said, it's, it's no miracle in a can. It's right. cleaner in a can. There's no, in, there's no mechanic that runs through your engine and fixes something that's broken inside the right, engine right that's but not it's, what it, it's, does.
1: it 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 still comes back to maintenance and fuel maintenance and, is everything fuel system cleaning oil changes it all gets tied together and it's all it's all part and parcel of the same product absolutely Larry website Would listeners want more information where can they go they, you would go to bgprod.com bgprod.com will they see your picture there
4: no okay
1: well but in any event Larry's got some good information out there at bgprod.com I'm Ronnie and in the car doctor we're cruising back right after this don't go away Car Doctor here live at the TST big event in Westchester, New York, at the Westchester Marriott. A lot going on today, an awful lot going on today. I'm here today right now with Scott Brown of IATN, the International Automotive Technicians Network. He's, I consider him one of the founding fathers. He's way too modest. He says, nope, not me, Ron, but um, Brent Black was part of it. And we know Brent was part of it, but uh, you're here and Brent's not. So uh, welcome aboard. Thank uh, you, you. You were talking before. I was watching your presentation. You're one of the keynote speakers here today. And, you know, a conversation about technology and where technology is going and, and, and the changes. And you were talking about trends of the automotive industry and the, re- and, and the repair side of things. Talk a little bit about that for the listeners.
2: Well, you know, I was trying to talk about what's coming, but it's actually already here. If you look at the model year 2008 and beyond, those are now coming into the pipeline. And that the layers of technology applied to those vehicles today, very, very challenging. And the technicians in the field are now encountering very um, high-challenging problems on these vehicles. And uh, the skill sets are just not quite there yet.
1: And, you know, do you think... You know, I keep looking for that perfect storm. Where is the wave going to occur and start to build? And I I think you're right. I think we're there because the 08s, the 9s, the 10s are in the pipeline, and that, that wave of technology is building. And you're seeing some shops are busy... Busier and some shops are slower and slowing down and is 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 that technology or is that economy?
2: Well, I think uh, part of it is a false economy Um, The expectations that the consumer has on what a shop should be charging for certain services is well below the standard Unrealistic yeah a well-equipped shop that has the staff with the knowledge and the compensation and the tools and equipment to, to completely provide competent service, um, you know, as a high standard. And the majority of the shops out there just do not have everything that, you know, the, all the ingredients for the right recipe.
1: I was at a seminar the other night, and you were, they were talking about, well, not you, but IATN, in the sense that the first hour of diagnosis includes research. Bingo! IATN came up in the conversation.
2: Uh, that's a good point. Um, a lot of a lot of research is needed, and I think really the model of the shop today, you know, as a car comes into the into the shop, say it's towed in, it's it's you know a stall or a no start, we need to have somebody that can kind of triage that vehicle and figure out where it needs to go. Um, the service information and research end of it is a huge part of. You know whether the repair is successful or not.
1: They were talking that the typical shop researching a, 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 a newer problem, as they put it, and I'll use your time frame, 08 on up model year, was going to spend 30 to 45 minutes the first hour, research how the system works, what it's doing wrong, and, and what the possible solutions are without even touching the car. Uh,
2: yeah, that's true. And what's really sad is that those vehicles, when they were in warranty period... Entering the dealership, the dealership technician, his time was dropped down to three tenths that he had to diagnose to, that to diagnose and analyze that. So, that's the manufacturer has already devalued the the skilled technician, and so he's he's disincentivized anybody from attaining that higher level of knowledge. Talk about
1: IATN. What is it? You know, there's people out there, and understand our audience is technician, shop owner, Harry
2: homeowner, and consumers you know talk about iatn and 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 how this whole thing got started sure um so iatn was founded in 1995 and if you think back to 95 and where the internet was the internet was just getting started if uh if you looked back then it was a miracle if you could get a picture on a web page to display oh yeah
1: we were on dial-up right yeah
2: we were on dial-up so Primarily, we were using email communication to chat back and forth, uh, solving problems, talking about uh, shop management issues, industry issues. It's evolved now to 85,000 members from 172 different countries and guys that are collaborating. They're opening up trouble tickets on uh, you know, problem vehicles. Uh, the community is solving those problems. Uh, there's a number of forums in there where there's uh, technical discussion taking place on best practices, on how to use tools and equipment, uh, industry issues, shop management issues. All the, all the trends that are happening in the industry are being discussed in real time uh, amongst you know, our peers. And, and we're seeing some trends happening now. We're, we're seeing that every, everything that we just talked about in the beginning of this session – you know is coming to a to a hit here and we're gonna have to make some changes in the industry
1: do you think you know when you when you look at IATN and and, and what it brings to the table and I talk to shop owners and they go I a who um, you know, can they survive without something like an and I you know you've got a you've got a vested interest in a sense but This is a passion. This is a labor of love for you. You don't do this. It's not just about the money. It's, again, the industry dragging them, kicking and screaming by their heels, fix the car.
2: Right. Um, You know, as a a stakeholder in the industry, I'm a shop owner. I'm a technician. Right. Um, You know, our guys stay up to date by collaborating with with like-minded individuals. Okay. If we look at the membership base that we have in the United States... We're only ten percent of the workforce, according to the uh, Bureau of Labor Statistics. That's a very sad stat. That means that there are a lot of people that just don't simply know who we are, or there's even a space for them to um, better their skill set.
1: And I'm not suggesting we do this, but Monday, no mechanics go to work. Does the country stop?
2: Potentially, there could be a uh, there could be a big challenge, and and you know. One of the things that I mentioned in my discussion is that the layers of technology, most of those are there to support safety systems on these automobiles. And it's imperative that these things get assembled and put back together and calibrated so that that vehicle goes back out on the road. The same way it was intended by the manufacturer.
1: All those clips are there for a reason. Yeah. All those bolts are those little. Hey, it was only a penny screw. Trust me, they put that penny screw on the car for a reason. It's it's got to go back. Right. Um, and I, I think that's an issue. In our last two minutes, Scott Brown, IATN, talk about the needs. What is what does the industry need right now today from this moment going forward?
2: I think, really, I need some. I think we need some incentive. Um, right now, if a technician is going to school. He may be told that he can expect to, to make fifty thousand dollars a year or some some odd right, number. Right. That's not reality, and it really should be, but it's just not there yet. And, is, and is,
1: do you think that's because the consumer is resistive to it, or the industry is a rule? You know, it's which is gonna which is gonna happen? The chicken or the egg? What's gonna come first? Is the industry just gonna say this is the this is the benchmark? Here's the dollar figure, or is the consumer gonna go? I just want to get my car fixed. Here's the, here's the number.
2: Yeah, I think the, the consumer just simply does not have the the knowledge of how complex their automobile is and the skill set needed to properly uh, attend to, to issues on that vehicle. Right. And I think we're going to be either in for a rude awakening or industry needs to get together and raise the bar and make this more of a career instead of a job.
1: Right. This is not an 8-to-5 job Monday no. through Friday. This is a... This is a twelve, fourteen-hour a day, six, seven-day a week job. Unfortunately, this is a career. This is the way it is. That's right. And it's it's not. And as change. a as
2: a technician is is maturing, they, they should be continually improving their skill set, and they do that in their off time. I mean, they're reading articles. Doctors do that. Dentists right. do that. Right. Other professions. I mean, there's there's no reason that uh, you know we should have this this uh, this career devalued in the way it is today.
1: One thing I always say, anytime somebody comes in and they say, you know, my car does this, this, and this, and I say, fine, it's an hour of diagnostic time. If you fix the problem, does that mean you don't charge me for the hour of diagnosis? And I say, I want to see you walk into a doctor and tell him that, you know, before he figures out that your hip needs to be replaced. I'm not charging you for the x-ray and to figure out that the hip needs to be done. So um,
2: I I think that uh, we need to look at it from that perspective because we should issue a battery of tests you know, the condition warrants these tests. We either validate what's going on and then move forward.
1: For our shop owners and technicians out there that have interests that want to be part of the IATN community, Scott, what's the website? IATN.net. Beautiful. Scott Brown, we appreciate you being here. Ron Anany and The Car Doctor, live at the TST Big Event in Westchester. We're back right after this. Welcome back. We're here at the TST Big Event in Westchester. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at your service. A little bit of a local flavor right now. Well, a local national flavor. I've reached out to Chris Olson. He's from Polsonello
4: Fuels. Fuels. Yes.
1: Perfect. See that? I got it right. We were practicing. That's very good. We are practicing during the pause. Practice Chris, welcome makes to perfect. the Car Doctor. Yep, sir. Yes, sir. We want to talk a little bit about motor oil. Uh, you know, 3,000-mile oil changes, then went to 5,000-mile oil changes, went to 7,000-mile oil changes, 10,000-mile oil changes. And then I heard somebody talking the other day about the 20,000-mile annual oil change.
0: Right, and right.
1: I, Chris, you've been selling oil how long?
0: 30, 35 years.
1: And you've been selling what, for 35 years?
0: Well, I started with Pennzoil, and uh, we uh, sell Quaker State and Shell, and I'm with a distributor now, retired from them.
1: And, and why, after all these years, have you stayed with Pennzoil, just out of curiosity?
0: Well, Pennzoil has a great reputation. has great market share. It's a fantastic product. Uh, when I retired from Shell, uh, Polsonel Fuels was one of my customers, high-class operation, and, and
1: you like, that, what, that, you, you like what you like absolutely, absolutely. So in the 35 years, you're you're selling oil, all right. You're yes. the oil salesman.
0: I'm the oil guy.
1: What changes have you seen? And boy, just keep in mind, we've only got eight minutes for this segment. So
0: truly, I mean, you know, when we first started, it was two basically two flavors, 1030, 1040. Then you had the racers out there twenty fifty thicker was always better right now we're down to 0-20, even there's some six, 016s out there right now
1: you know you you look at what oil does, and I've said this for a while I, I think if I had a, a a chart of what oil does, the last thing on the list is lubrication right it's Correct. I mean obviously that's what it's supposed to do, but it does so much more.
0: Cooling, lubrication, hangs your contaminants and suspension so that the filter can filter them out. Uh, a total, like you say, lubrication is one of the last things it does, but a very big thing, though.
1: For an old oil man like you, all right, not that you're a Texas oil man, you're a motor oil man, you know, you hear these people talk about the 10,000 mile and up oil change interval. From a non scientific, non chemistry standpoint, I don't want to have that conversation today. What's your gut feeling?
0: Well, my gut feeling is that for most people, their cars are their second biggest investments that they have in their lives, and you want to protect that investment. And if you're going to protect that investment properly, you got to go with the OEM recommendation. So if they're telling you to change every seven thousand or six thousand, that's what you should be changing it.
1: And, and it's 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 all in, in in how the oil is made, right? You right. Know, we start talking about, you know, every and as a kid, you know oil's oil. I watched the Beverly Hillbillies on TV in the 60s, and I saw the oil come out of the ground, and I said, oh, that must be the Penn's oil well, and that's got to be the other guy's well. And But it's different. It's, you're, you're actually buying the, the engineering that goes into that product to make it that oil.
0: Absolutely. It's all in the ad pack these days. Uh, you've got synthetics, you've got synthetic blends, you've got conventional, you've got high mileage oils. It's, it's all in the ad packs that go into the oil.
1: So, fair s- statement, when somebody's choosing a Penn's oil, for example... They're buying the oil, but they're buying the thought and the process by which that oil came to be.
0: Absolutely, and, and that thought and the process and everything that went into it, it's, it's developed over years and years within each and every oil company. It's not that they just put the brand out on the shelf because it's the flavor of the day. It's, they put a lot of work into that researching.
1: In our last minute, Chris, I'm going to take one off the myth chart here. Um, can you use synthetic oil in an older vehicle?
0: You can use synthetic oil in an old, older vehicle. A lot of people think that it will leak through the seals. It, it's really, as long as you're using the same viscosity, it's it's better for the engine. It's better for low temps, better for high temps. Uh, that's just a myth that it's, it's going to leak out faster. That's just not true.
1: More important to use the right viscosity. And, more so than and, anything and else. And,
0: again, you get to your manufacturer's recommendations, viscosity. Right. Always follow that. Absolutely.
1: Chris, Chris Olson, where can the listeners go get more information? The clock's going to take me. Uh, I'll
0: take out to Paulsonello Fuels, P-O-L-S-I-N-E-L-L-Fuels.com. Perfect. And they can get all the information they need there.
1: Or they can get out to the Pennzoil website. Chris Olson, we appreciate you taking the time. Busy day, t Busy time today here at the TST Big Event. I'm Ron and The Car Doctor. We are back right after this. Back running in the car, doctor, on his own highway here at the TST big event in Westchester County, up here in Westchester, New York, just north of New York City. I'm here as we close out this hour with Neil Ricuti. Did I get that right? Ricuti. Ricuti. Sorry, I'm, I'm working on it. It's by right. by then By next year, we'll have this right. Yeah. Neil's a treasure of TST, but he's also a shop owner, as, as many of the TST members are. Right. And uh, you've been doing this a little while, 27 years. Correct. Uh, you know, uh, let's give a plug for your shop. Name of the shop?
5: A uh, and Auto. And where, where's in that? Sleepy Hollow, New York. In Sleepy
1: Hollow, New York. Um, you've been doing this a while, 27 years. What kind of changes? My word for you is changes, Neil. What have you seen?
5: Well, changes. Uh, everything on a car has changed since I first started. Uh, there were so many more parts you had to replace, and uh, now it's like you have to replace a lot, a lot less parts, but you have to do a lot more maintenance. As far as I'm concerned, because that's where that's my bread and butter is maintaining a car.
1: You know, you're 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 still in the game 27 years later. Mm-hmm. What got you here? I mean, you know, how do you. How, what, that's longevity. That's like being married for 27 years. Well, they're, what, they're,
5: they're both milestones. Right. What kept me in this is TST. Before it was TST, it was STS. And I volunteered 20 years ago uh, to do this for guys to help them, you know, learn more, get more educated. And I figured I'd be part of it. And Jerry, Trulia, if it wasn't for him, I would not be in this business right now. Mm-hmm. So, and I've spent a lot of money on tools and. Uh, all, all the latest and greatest.
1: One thing about auto repair, it's it's a pretty close community. Yes. Everybody seems to know everybody, and it's a lot easier when the walls go down and everybody kind of helps everybody. Correct. Uh, you know, and that's, that's something I'm seeing more and more of every year that I'm in this, doing this 43 years now. And I look at it, and... Uh, it's an exciting time to be in this business, yeah. right? It's look where it's going, look where look where we are, and look where it's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it uh, it's it's just something to look forward to. Neil, uh, I, you know what? You're just like one of my brothers across the river here, mm-hmm. uh, fixing cars, and I want to thank you for your efforts as well as everybody here at TST. And I wanna thank you for having us today. We've got another hour of car doctoring um, to go. Uh, Neil, real quick, is there a website? Let's give a plug. Come on. Well, I want to plug
5: TST. Yeah. Uh, TST is uh, TST.org. Perfect. Good deal. All Neil, right. thank, thank you for you. your
1: time. All I'm Ron Anini and the car doctor, reminding you once again that good mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. See you.